Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Ferguson, Chicago, where spring has not yet sprung. We got a little taste of it yesterday, but it went away. I'm super excited to bring this episode to you. I've been a, an enormous fan of the John Lewis uh, work from Adam and Eve DDB in London. Uh, those of you who are not familiar with it, I think it's I think it's almost important to first watch the spots because I think the music alone just doesn't do them justice. So I would encourage you to go to uh, go to our site uh, on strategyshowcase.com all of the spots are listed there watch the spots and then come back and listen to the show so that it all really makes so much sense in preparing for this episode uh, I was actually watching the spots again and they are so strong I mean I found myself almost weeping in Starbucks when I was watching everything and preparing for it so I really think it's important to do that the the spots are just genius and so uh, beautifully crafted so many of them are beautifully crafted by uh, by Rick and his creative teams and by Dougal Wilson who was the, the director of many of these spots. The, the format that we take here is we go through roughly a decade of spots, so 10 or so spots. And it's, this is sort of a follow-up to a, a great paper that was written as part of the APG award that this work got and received. It was in 2021 for a decade of learnings, uh, APG Gold. And um, what it really did is sort of gave you a sense of what the common threads were throughout the 10 plus years. And so what I was very excited about was to see the uh, once again out of Adam and Eve DDB to see the simplicity of strategy and how uh, Martin and his team and the whole group because they work together both as a creative and strategic group it's as, as Rick actually said it's like a gang they get it down to something really simple and then you can begin to see the common thread of that brand platform that plays out each year and the brand platform is the home of thoughtful gifting that John Lewis is the home of thoughtful gifting so I think what you see is how that plays out each year. And then uh, Martin will explain how they got to that and the reason for that. And it'll be something that makes sense uh, from a strategy point of view in terms of the brand had had, uh, had a very strong reputation prior to this uh, work beginning, but it was very practical in reputation. Yeah, it had, it had a very strong practical brand attributes. It just lacked emotional characteristics. And therefore, this sort of set up the business case for doing this kind of work. Because if you think back to roughly 2011, when the first spot aired, back then it was hard, and what still is, hard to do work that doesn't include the product, especially when you're a retailer. And so this was work that was anchored around Christmas time, and you'll hear why that is and why that happened from a business point of view. But it's it was uh, it was breaking new ground. Things had changed back then, and the work ever since has been amazing. One thing I I would I would encourage us all to remember also is the idea that there's a simple theme that really plays out in each of these years. You look at the long wait, which was the first spot back in 2011, and that was simply about the idea of how good it feels to give as opposed to receiving. Monty the Penguin, which was inspired by a story from Rick Brim's own life, his own family. The theme is friendship. Man on the Moon, which was in uh, 2015, loneliness. Buster the Boxer, which was in 2016. It was the uh, joy of sharing. And Excitable Edgar, which was that fantastic dragon spot from 2019. The simple theme was acceptance. So I think there's a lot to be learned from this show. Again, try and watch the spots. Uh, we do drop in some of the audio, but the John Lewis spots are famous for having no dialogue. It's simply a beautiful story told over a phenomenal track. Uh, so try to watch the spots if you can. Hopefully you will enjoy this. So this is Richard Brim, Chief Creative Officer of Adam and Eve DDB in London, and Martin Beverly, Chief Strategy Officer at Adam and Eve DDB in London. And this is the story behind John Lewis 
Enjoy. I've always been curious, Martin, when you have to make a decision on strategy and messaging so early, does that sort of, um, does that, does that mean that you tend to stick with universal, universally appealing messages that aren't necessarily rooted in the moment? Because I mean, what if something happens in June, either in, in society or in culture or, or whatever, that sort of changes things or forces you to change it? Does, does starting early some, is starting early only necessary because of the process, or do you wish you could start a little later because sometimes you might be able to pick up a, a different messaging strategy or, or a needed messaging strategy? Well, I think we love starting early because it gives us more time to try and come up with the best solution. So I think starting in January, whilst it's a little bit weird to have the kind of wash up just after Christmas, it's great to get thinking early. Um, I think fortunately over the last decade or so, the the core of the brief hasn't changed very much. It's always been about thoughtful gifting, which has kind of been a a sort of timeless proposition for us. But then we're just trying to give it new angles and new relevance and new ways in to keep it fresh each time. So I think there have been some years where uh, the kind of the mood of the nation has maybe changed a little bit. And that's that's kind of influenced which route we've gone with. So if I think back to 2015, we'd, we'd just done Man on the Moon. Um, and uh, some people had said it was sad advertising. Uh, but the, the nation seemed to love it at the time, and it, was, and it was very effective for us. But the following year, when there was all of the Brexit talk and Trump mania, we kind of felt like the year had gone a little bit miserable, some like amazing sort of iconic celebrities had died. And we just thought, do you know what? Let's go a little bit more uplifting. Let's sort of dial up the joy of this. And um, we ended up with Buster the Boxer on his trampoline. And I think that was one example where we, we just kind of flexed the tone. We did, and, and it wasn't that we did any real research into it. We just kind of felt, do you know what, this year, let's, let's go a little bit more joyous. So one thing to note for, the, for those who don't know, you know, obviously uh, John Lewis and Partners is known for the Christmas uh, ads and we're gonna, this is this is the focus of our conversation today but it's not just christmas that you guys are involved with and and but more importantly why christmas um it's been noted that john lewis doesn't have the largest budget but there was obviously a, a strategic decision of why of, of 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 why you heavy up in christmas time and it seems obvious right it's when a lot of gifts are bought but can you tell us a little bit martin about the backstory into why Christmas became that sort of epic moment for, for, uh, for yeah. John Lewis? So really it came down to a decision of sort of sacrifice. So John Lewis actually doesn't have huge budgets compared to some of its competition. So we just had to make a choice about where to focus. Um, we couldn't really do everything. So it was just like, where, where do we most want to win? And as a result, we changed kind of when and how John Lewis advertised. So um roughly 40% of John Lewis's sales are in the run up to Christmas so it's an absolutely crucial time for them commercially so if we were going to focus our money somewhere it would be Christmas and then that dovetailed with a need to give the brand more emotional appeal which um at the time back in 2009 John Lewis kind of had rational appeal so people thought it was quality and you know that the customer service would sort things out if there was a problem but it didn't have a lot of kind of love for the brand and it didn't feel like an inspirational brand. And I know that brand love is an overused term, but when it comes to John Lewis, I think I can just about get away with it because we wanted to, to dial up 
the sort of the emotion in the brand. And so Christmas is just the perfect time of year to do that. So it was really, we just wanted to apply emotion at the time of the year, which was the most kind of must win commercially. So that, that was why the decision was originally made. And then it seemed to kind of be working in terms of the econometrics show that that's when we get our biggest returns. So we kept kind of doubling down at Christmas, but we do work throughout the year. It's just that Christmas is our big showcase. And you know what, what's interesting, I think others have followed in more recent years with with the willingness to sacrifice promoting products as part of the, of the ads. Um, that's a big step for a brand to take, not only to, you know, getting somebody to consider emotional, emotionally rooted advertising or messaging uh, is one thing, but getting it to then sort of, for the most part, omit any sort of product promotion or product placement in the spot is another. Was that a fight uh, in, in terms of getting to that simple place or was it, was it a client that totally got what needed to happen? I think it, it, inherently it was a client that instinctively knew that, that appealing to people's hearts was was perhaps the way to go. And it was rooted in that research that I mentioned that Millwood Brown had done back in kind of 2008 that said that John Lewis needed a stronger emotional appeal and that that would probably convert into the strongest commercial success. And then um, before Christmas became kind of the thing it is today, like with when 2011 and, and The Long Way, there was, a, there was a campaign that John Lewis ran before that called um, Always a Woman, and it kind of went through the years of a woman's life and it didn't actually explicitly sell any products or over explain any message. It was just gave people the feels with the soundtrack and the way that her she moved through her life. And it was very, very effective at the time. And it sort of proved to John Lewis that you could you could get you could persuade people to buy your products without really persuading them of anything rational. So I, I think that evidence stood us in good stead. And it was like, okay, how do we apply that? emotional storytelling to Christmas. So Richard, you joined in 2013. So the first sort of, um, the first um, uh, uh, film that we're going to talk about is in 2011, which is sort of the the coming out of the new way of John Lewis communicating with this sort yeah. of emotional thread, as I know, as I recognize it. it. While you weren't involved in it, can you tell us what that spot, the long wait signified for John Lewis in your opinion? Well, it was it was it was it, it, it launched into a landscape where um, the Christmas advertising was was dominated by celebrities, glitz, glamour, more more sort of the louder the the the, the louder you shouted, the the more sparkly you were, and the sort of um, it was MS, which is one of John Lewis's rivals own that territory and it was it 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 had had Shirley Bassey and Antonio and Banderas and it was <laughs> it was very sort of it was very sort of glitzy and 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 big productions and and the long wait came out with a, an amazing soundtrack um beautifully executed um, yeah. by a long um standing collaborator that we worked with Dougal Wilson and 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 just quiet and quiet with such a truth that a beautiful truth that everybody understood about a kid who who um who who wanted to give as opposed to get and and it it, it didn't use any of the razzmatazz that was that was so commonly known for christmas and it was just it was just quiet and elegant and told a beautiful story and and i i remember seeing that um at the agency i was in and i remember feeling that that 
something had shifted. Yes, um, yes, in a absolutely. way of in a way of talking and and, and in a way of in a way of doing it. And 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 it wasn't that nobody had done that style before. It just nobody had done it with the with the truth and the and the populism and the and the honesty that I think it, that 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 spot has. So for once in my life, let me get what I knows it would be the first time. You come in in you come in in mid 2013. I mean, with this sort of work out there, but thinking about the John Lewis business, are are you are you coming in with a sense of how you might want to shift it or refine it or craft it, or are you kind of feeling in your mind, I don't want to? Well, of course you don't want to you don't want to screw it up. But did you have a sense of how you might adjust it? Well, first, first off, we came in and and we 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 got to this newly merged company because Adam and Eve was now part of DDB, and we sort of looked around. Dan, my old partner, and I, and we we sort of looked at the briefs we wanted to get our our hands on, and and obviously John Lewis by this stage had really started to gain a bit of a reputation, and and so John Lewis was 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 the key. And I remember, I've never we we we, we worked relentlessly, and it was the middle of summer. And a, a bit, all, I, all I can remember is a heat wave, and we're sat in dingy little pubs trying to feel Christmassy, <laughs> trying to write these things. And 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 we wrote so many scripts, and they nearly they, they they got there and nearly got there. And this one wasn't quite good enough, and this one this one been done before. And 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 we were broken. We and we just we just said right. And, and actually, Tammy Einab, who's now the CEO, um, their scripts had been bought already. Uh, they, they, they bought a script and she said i think we still got a chance for bear in the hair or for monty no 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 this was this was this was the year of monty okay got it so so um she goes i think yeah i think there's a there's a slight crack of opportunity if you want to carry on going they've bought a script but there's still a crack of opportunity and i remember we went out and we had two days away just sort of trying to and we sort of limped back in with this one script and we showed it to her, and she's like, "This is it, this is it, right, right." And, and then all of a sudden, this whirlwind happened, and we found ourselves in front of the the client, and and we sold it. And then all of a sudden, we're we're up in the toy department designing penguins, and it, the, 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 the 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 fever of it just just sort of swept us up. It was great. I mean, I've never been part of anything like that. So and where where that, did that come from? I mean, that that is arguably my favorite spot. Although there, it's hard to have a single favorite, but. The like, what is going? Where? What did you have to access <laughs> in your mind to get such a beautiful story crafted? And and number one, we just were, to come up with it. Well, it was it was it was it was lots of conversations, um, maybe too many Guinnesses. Um, but uh, it was it was it was just a story of friendship and 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 how you how you how you how you're thoughtful to your friends and and then we were talking about well, who are your friends and. My my daughter at the time had a had an imaginary friend called Chloe Softberg who had one eye and blue hair, and I was telling the story of, of Chloe to to Dan, my partner, and like, well, and 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 just 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 the story started flowing, and 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 it just sort of I can't actually remember there was a moment. Dan seems to think it was about we wrote a script with sat nav about a penguin and a weasel, and I seem to think it came from a different place. But all we know is that we 
we sort of hobbled back into the agency with 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 a, with a script that we that we really liked and 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 we we thought it was we thought it was okay and 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 all of a sudden it's bought and and we were and then it's only when when we 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 had a meeting with Dougal and he came in but Dougal comes in with these amazing boards and these amazing things for Crappomatics where he makes the ad and 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 he came in with with this is how we make this how we, this is how we bring this to life and I remember me and Dan walked out of that meeting and we sort of looked at each other and sort of laughed nervously nervously because <laughs> we thought this, this could be really good and and it was it was a wonderful thing to to go and make and still to this day really honoured to 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 start there. One of the characteristics of a John Lewis spot is there's always a little twist at the end, that sort of joyful twist for the most part. Now, I think all of them have got a joyful twist. Um, what are, what are you, I know it's not a formula, but are there certain characteristics that you always want to make sure are included in a spot? It seems to me that it's, at least from one perspective, it's always seen from the eyes of a child is that is that one of the things that is sort of common i think that's i think that's common in some of the work but it's definitely not one of the things that we would say is a kind of any kind of mandatory there's not necessarily a a set of rules that we follow but i i do think there are a, a sort of principles that we've kept through all of the work so we always try and tell an, an emotional story we want people to have the feels and I know that that's a slightly kind of overused phrase now, but I think telling an emotional, heartwarming story that isn't laden by products and is, is designed to entertain and be popular with the public is something we do. We tend to try and have a surprising twist. Like, it's not always possible, but we often talk, okay, what's the ending? How does this finish? How do we kind of end on a high? How do we resolve the jeopardy that we might have seen through the, the spot? Um, the emotive music's a thing. So uh, we have been kind of known for re-recording things. We don't always do that, but I think the soundtrack is something that people tend to now recognise as being John Lewis and, and the way that we tell those stories. And what's been amazing from my perspective is that we've kind of created our own distinctive brand assets, but not in a way that most brands do. So most brands assume, oh, it's the colour, it's the logo, it's the... Yeah. Whereas our kind of style is a more subtle, stylistic kind of storytelling and we don't put the logo in the first five seconds but people still know it's a john lewis ad so 80 percent of the public now recognize and attribute the ads as being john lewis so they're extremely well branded even though they're not explicitly branded so i think i think that's been the strength that we've we've got that that sense of consistency without it being a, a straitjacket so when Rick, Rick joined in 2013, you joined Martin in 2015, you come in and part of your remit, I believe at that time was John Lewis, right? Yeah, that's right. So, so you come in, I mean, I'd be terrified to come in and, and uh, on that piece of business because I'd be like, well, how do you beat any of this? So my, my question is twofold. How did you feel coming into it? And then secondly, 
What's the role of planning on the John Lewis work? Well, first of all, yeah, I kind of was terrified. <laughs> but, I, but I was also just extremely flattered that David Golding gave me the opportunity to work on it. So I was, and I, I just, I've always wanted to work on the most famous stuff, the stuff that people talk about. So for me, that that meant that working on John Lewis was just a privilege. Um, I, I immediately kind of looked at it and thought, well, I don't, the fundamentals don't need to change here. I think often when people start in a new role, um, their instinct is to change things so that they can be seen to be making an impact. But it was clear that things didn't mean changing because the fundamentals were very, very successful. Um, all I wanted to do was try and help make the work better and make sure that there was kind of an insight behind each um, new campaign, make sure we were embracing new channels, make sure we were keeping what was working, but also trying to push it on. Um, and also just trying to make every single thing that John Lewis does as effective as possible. So from that perspective, it was an amazing opportunity because the, the platform was there. It was just how do we how do we move this on and 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 try and and try and not really believe the hype, you know, just like like start each, you know, we're only as good as our next one. So how do we make the next one the best, the best yet? And I've got to I've got to imagine, Richard, that um when you when you have a plat when, when you have a sort of a history of this work, the, the 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 years that preceded this, and you have a platform such as thoughtful gifting, um and I, I know that you guys have a very strong relationship and working well together. What do you want planning to to what what do you want the role of planning to be? I can't imagine it's like come down from the hillside with the with the endorsed tablets. Um, you know, you know, what, what do you want? The strategy is pretty much set. And it's this thoughtful gifting that's been going. And 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 yes, we, we adapt to how the world is changing. And maybe we look a little, maybe this year we we're a bit more about this or that. But it's it's kind of having I, I I'm a firm believer that that when choosing creative work um and choosing the best thing create that works creatively it has to work strategically as well obviously um and so it, it, it's kind of we don't really do work like that here where it's like i'll do my bit and then i'll pass it on to you and i'll, I'll pass it so it, it's kind of it's kind of having everybody in the room supporting each other and what do you think and that well strategically i think this one's better than that one but if you think that one's better creatively, well, strategically, we can rework it like that. It's just sort of being a gang. Yeah. Um, and, and, and having a gang of, of smart people around you that, 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 that will help you, help you shift the work. And, that, and, 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 and strategy is, is a vital role of that. And I think not just on John Lewis, on every single piece of work we put out from the, from from the agency it's 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 having it's having that it, it's it, it's not a pass-on culture it's very much a get everybody in the room what do you think and nobody everybody's point of view is is, is as valid on creative uh, on the work of creativity as everybody else's if that makes sense so martin so, so, is is there sort of is there from from a planning perspective is there a conversation because obviously there's the issues of the marketplace the business side of john lewis that everybody still needs to be conscious of but um my sense is that um, there's maybe a, a starting conversation because I've heard you say in the past that that um, um, that I you know if if there's a brief on, on other accounts that we've talked about that there's a, an initial briefing which leads to a conversation. I've kind of gotten the impression that maybe those 
initial conversations are happening at a, at a Rick and you level and maybe one or two other people. And then you guys sort of agree and collaborate and agreeing. And then you share it with the rest of the agency as the brief. Is that a way to think about it or is it different? Yeah, I think that's a way to think about it. I, I, if I, any, any idea or anything that I find that I think is interesting, I almost Im- immediately tell Rick so just because so like this year there's something that we kind of thought oh this is quite interesting so i immediately just go and speak to him and just see if he thinks there's something in it um so we're we're very like chatty and and informal and just like to kind of bounce things around and you know sometimes we'll put the brief in for john lewis but it will have a few little kind of ways in or things to think about and sometimes i'll kind of annoy him with those and keep bringing them up <laughs> Um, and you know, and they don't always go anywhere, but I kind of feel like it's my job to sort of keep feeding that and, and to say, well, you know, maybe there's something in this. So, um, I remember the year we did, um, the Elton John boy in the piano, we'd had lots of chats about some parents like to try and buy gifts that they think will, will feed a kind of talent or kind of fuel a passion in their children's lives you know, and almost buy something that they think might actually lead somewhere rather than something that they'll just throw away a week later. And it, it took us a long time to get there. And it wasn't necessarily the only thing, but it, it turned into, you know, the idea that actually uh, Elton's um, grandma bought him a piano and that that sort of led him to be the superstar that he became. And it, there might have been nothing in that, but I kind of had a hunch that there was. And so I just kind of kept talking about it. And each year we that year year was funny because it it broke every single when you were talking about before the formula it broke every every formula i don't but we were spoken to me about that strategy quite a while and 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 it always felt too worthy and it always felt too schmaltzy and and also we were talking before about formulas There, there was an unwritten rule about we tell original stories we tell our own stories and we don't use celebrity because that's what won before um and we try and we try and use um, interesting music, and we never never really use the original. Yeah. And that year, it broke, it broke all the records. We told we told the story of Elton John, who is a celebrity, and and we used we used a track that we'd actually used in a previous ad um, for John Lewis, and and it, uh, and and it was it was a strategy that we'd been spoken we'd spoken about at great length for a long time, and 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 rejected. So it, it kind of Elton really came from nowhere, and it, it it was really freeing that because you have we we whilst we said oh we don't live by any rules we did, and that year we we kind of broke every single one of them. And wasn't that and the it, same and, year that his that that movie um, based upon his life was coming out? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, yeah. and actually, it, it was it, there was one thing that, that's always stuck with me, uh, which was Dexter Fletcher who directed that. I think in M and and me. Um, quote was quoted as saying, uh, "Well, John Lewis managed to do in two and a half minutes what I what I what I've done in three two, three and a half hours or something." <laughs> it was it was always it was always something that it, it was it was a, it was a kind of backhanded compliment, but um, yeah, it was it was it was, it was it, and it was a special year for me that because it, it it sort of it was like a wave coming in and freshening it all up again. And you can tell everybody. This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind 
got to imagine that year round um it, for folks who are working on the business or are, are trying to work on the business creatively or strategically you've got to be just constantly conscious of it maybe even subconsciously thinking about what might be interesting ways in martin because i've i've got to think that that both, both creative and strategic people coming together they're probably coming in with little field notebooks full of little ideas that come out of just real life? Because I know you, you've talked about things like you, you labeled them as interesting truths rather than insights that sort of lead to a lot of these works, this work. So are you kind of keeping a track of things throughout the year of what's interesting or is it, yeah, and then, and then you launch it in January? Yeah, unofficially, definitely. And also just the, the, the personal stories are the best ones, right? And when we talk to customers and you hear the little stories of their own sort of personal Christmases that you can steal. It's like when Rick was talking about how he came up with Monty and it was because Mabel had an imaginary friend. You know, sometimes it's just like those little things that, and and the reason I try to avoid the word insight is just it puts a lot of pressure on it and people start to question it. Whereas just, just, just interesting stuff that you observe about people. Like another example would have been, I think it was 2016 when, when everything was happening with Brexit and uh, you know and everyone was every brief talked about the, the divisions in society um Rick and I started talking about the the gift of acceptance and actually how some gifts can recognize what makes someone different and we started kind of playing around with that and and that ultimately led to Edgar because he's he's different and um and the gift welcomes him into the community but it we didn't end up running it for a few years but it was just something that bubbled through because we were sort of just generally observing things. Um, but oh, I love that. So, so, it, so Edgar was on the radar in 2016. It didn't run until yeah. 2019. Yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. We just always have things bubbling away and it's just, maybe it's not quite the right time, but we, we just always informally chatting about stuff. <laughs> so, it, you know, most of it's probably nonsense, but sometimes it, it leads it's to something. It's happened some... a couple of times that uh, this year, this year was, um, this year was written three years ago. God, that's awesome. About the idea of somebody just coming, being welcomed in, some, somebody, an outsider being welcomed in by Christmas. And, and it, it sort of hung around and we reinvent, we, 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 we always keep on, um, we always keep on uh, uh, looking back and seeing what's been written. It was all about the idea of, of welcoming people in and 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 embracing difference and and using Christmas as a as a as a as a unifier. We'll always be together. Martin, when you came in in 2015, you're coming in right in the heart of what would become a man on the moon. Where did man on the moon come from? 
Can you describe it for the listener? Oh, yeah. Well, so Man on the Moon is um, a story of uh, a little girl who spots that there's a lonely man on the moon and she spots him through her telescope and she is desperate to make sure that he doesn't feel lonely at Christmas and so she ends up sending him via some balloons um, a telescope so that they can see each other. Uh, And it's a lovely, simple story. Again, it's just, it just, you can write it in a sentence and, and it, it kind of captured people because it, it also had an undercurrent of sort of, I suppose, reaching out to those who might feel a bit lonely at Christmas. And, and I think after writing the script and digging into it a little bit, we found, wow, there is a huge loneliness problem, particularly at Christmas with older people in the UK. And that's why we decided to partner with Age UK to help um, support their cause. And um, from memory, I think we we raised about two and a half million pounds for them and had a huge surge in volunteers for the cause. And I think it just it just I suppose we we'd reached the point there where we thought well, we should probably use this influence for good. The John Lewis ad now reaches so many people that we could use that power for good. And that was probably the first year that we did something that was more charitable. So 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 Richard, man on the man on the moon again uh, to the for one of my earlier questions. Where did that come from? I mean, shit, brilliant, genius. Where the <laughs> hell did that come from? Was that was that from another team? Was it from yeah, partly yeah, from your head? A, no, it was from it's from a team that came in and 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 it was around. It was around how can we make people feel special and how can we make people feel seen? And it, originally, it was um, it was a script that was knocking around. If my memory serves me correctly, it was a script about. Um, somebody in a, a block of flats and 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 the the, the little girl lived on the, on the bottom flat and this man lived there and she thought she was he was a man on the moon and it was it was that whole sort of bringing making sure he was he wasn't on his own for christmas um and so i mean the, the block of flats complicated it a little bit and so we just made it the man on the moon um and and yeah we just sort of ran with it and yeah, but but the, the, the fundamental principle of it is making sure that everybody's okay and, and using gifting to bring people in and, yeah, and make, it, make, make people feel special. Yeah, it is great because it's it perfectly aligns with thoughtful gifting because the girl is actually sending a gift of a telescope um, from Earth to the Moon. Right? Is that the way it was working so that he could look yeah. back at at it's her? It's so funny when, you, when you're describing it now. You're like, where the fuck did that go? Oh, it was. It's absolutely magical. I mean, it plays into that sense of childhood storytelling and the child's view of the world. I mean, we always we always used to think, what what is we I mean, I think we, we still do. What was up there as a child? What is yeah, up there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it written that for Buster the Boxer, we, we talked about a little while ago, that there was almost a change in formula there because of the mood of the nation, right? That this was what I had read was it was like you guys decided to, maybe you didn't consciously do it, but you sort of swapped out tears, which John Lewis spots are historically known to cause in people, uh, for laughter and joy. What was your thought on where Buster the Boxer came from in 2016? Well, I think it was was that focus. So we, we didn't, it wasn't a, a really conscious thing. We didn't look at lots of data. We just kind of went with our gut and thought, you know what? let's go a bit more joyous this year. Um, I think Man on the Moon had gone 
you know, slightly more profound, slightly sadder in its tone and, and taken on a kind of serious cause. And we just thought maybe we'll change it up and go more joyous with everything that was going on. But we still wanted to tell a story. We still wanted that story to have a strong truth at the heart. And and that year it was about how some years there's there's a you get a gift that everyone loves. So um, I remember that year we talked a lot about Bop It, which I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with. Yes. But it was like there's always one gift that everyone seems to love. And we just thought maybe there's something joyous in a thing that a gift that the whole family and everyone can kind of enjoy, like a trampoline, I guess. But it that that particular route, um, it started with, I think it was just like rabbits bouncing on a trampoline. Yeah, it, it was it was the script that got brought in was was um we open on a trampoline and 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 in the middle of the night a load of rabbits come out and jump on it. And 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 I, I remember sitting down with um, with Ben Priest, who I mean he he was he was the the the, the founder of Adam and Eve and started this the John Lewis thing off and 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 sort of guided me through all of this. So uh, I think that, but I remember sitting down with him and we were like, well, it doesn't seem right. And what happens if we make it? What happens if we make it like woodland animals? And what happens if we? And and it was it wasn't it was the, the script as it was on screen was never written on paper. It was just sort of additive as we went through it. It was it was like oh yeah that's that sounds that looks like a really interesting thing. Let's let's get Dougal on the phone and see what Dougal makes of it. And 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 then <laughs> Dougal was like yeah yeah but if we have woodland animals and then we have this and maybe we maybe then the dog gets really jealous and, and I mean the dog is the star of the show and <laughs> and, and, and actually we, the, the script we went to Google with had no dog in it um, and and so it was just a clear is it, 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 it's it, it's real testament to where where the ideas come from it's not like a here's the silver bullet and let's go off and make it, it, it it's really iterative it's a really iterative process and 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 it really can come from anywhere um, and and has done. But that was the year where where it was a little a little bit by the seat of our pants. Yeah, this just feels good. Let's just go with it. Uh, uh, and then and then and then the result I, I think is one of my favourites because it's just so. It's so it was it was it, it's it's so joyous. It's so sort of fun. And that was the most popular spot so far, right? That is my understanding. Well, yeah, it's, it's the most viewed. It's the most viewed and most shared because it. I think it captured, it kind of felt like respite from what was going on in the news. And then there were some big kind of global celebrities who shared it. And there was a whole like Trump and Hillary meme that was sort of created off the back of it. So it it got a a ridiculous number of views and shares that year um, and was very, very popular. But I think it started from just a silly thing of a rabbit or rabbits bouncing on a trampoline and we just it was sort of like it just made us laugh and smile it's like well what's what's not what's not to like and we're and we're, we're trying to make things that are just really popular just really entertaining so it just felt like maybe there's something in it and then we kind of developed the story around it so you know one of the things and this is just a, a little nitpicky thing for me nit- nitpicky in a good way when it comes to the craft in all of these spots when when i watched Buster the Boxer, I remember being struck by the fact that there's a red telephone box right over their wall, right? Uh, and, and for those who don't know, telephones, you know, we, we used to, we, we, everybody, they used to be on every block 
back in the day uh, where you could go into this, when you didn't have mobile phones, you could go in and make a phone call in this uh, telephone box. There was this kiosk. There is a red telephone box right over the wall in that, in that uh, spot. And it was shot in 2016. And I'm wondering, is that sort of a nostalgic uh, uh, sort of a, a a clue for for the for the middle aged person being more nostalgic about their view of Christmas and their kids' view of Christmas, or am I overthinking it? Because I was always thinking, why is that box there? I love that it's there, but why is it there in twenty sixteen? I wish I could say yes, but I think I think uh, I think it's there because it was there. Um, so that was not a set; that was an actual house. Or well, some... no, the garden was a set. The garden was a set, but then there was a bit that wasn't a set. So we met. We found. We found where we wanted to shoot, what we wanted the house to. The, the bit on the street, what and the outside, wasn't a set. Uh, the, the garden was a set, but the inside wasn't a set. But the side wall wasn't a set. Right, right. So that makes no sense whatsoever. But it was there. <laughs> I love it. At this point, thinking about end of 2016, going into 2017, the campaign is famous. It's been in market for five, six years. From a business and a brand perspective, what were you, what were you guys noticing at that point in terms of what's been achieved and, and from a brand and a business perspective? What kind of progress had been made at that point? I think around that time, the, the numbers... Um, around Bust the Boxer were just incredible in terms of just how popular it was. Um, and John Lewis continued to kind of build its its market share and and the results were kind of getting stronger and stronger. So we, I suppose we had the same reaction of how to, let's not change the fundamentals, let's keep riding this wave, let's not believe the hype, let's keep pushing to, to go one better. Um, I think we were very lucky at that stage that we started to get it was opening doors for us. So, for example, on Buster the Boxer, we, we were able to broker a partnership with Sky where the ad was launched on Sky Plus alongside actual programming. So people could watch the ad uh, alongside programs. So I think we had 960,000 views of the ad through Sky Plus. So Is this our window in window? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, so so imagine you're you're at home and you want to watch something that evening, and you're looking for the most popular shows. It was the John Lewis ad was there alongside Sky's most popular shows. Oh, interesting! Holy shit! Yeah. which is just unheard of because it's an ad. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but but Sky were keen to do it because it reached such a kind of peak of popularity. Um, and so, yeah, we just wanted to keep building on what was working and um, building on things like the merchandise, which was which was starting to really kind of take off each year and returning millions um, for the campaign. We were building different brand partnerships and we were experimenting with all the different new channels as well as sticking with the things that we knew worked like TV. And we just wanted to keep riding the wave. It was so clear it was working for John Lewis that we just wanted to continue that momentum as much as possible. In 2020... You uh, you guys produced uh, "Give a Little Love," 
um, which was about, I think, um, more of a sense of spreading kindness. Where did where did that come from, Richard? It was a tough year, twenty twenty, for yeah. everybody, for obvious reasons. And then to do this and to know where the country's head would be um, at, at Christmas when we were heading towards a time where everybody's going to be locked in. We didn't know whether we were going to... I mean, it was so uncertain. And 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 I remember having meetings and meetings, and we, we it was it was the the hardest year, because do we walk away from storytelling? Do we have to do something different? Do we have to read the room? Do we do one at all? Do we... And 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 we were late. We because the converse, because of, because the landscape was shifting so very very much, and we got to the end and we were just like, listen, we just need to. If, if success this year needs to be like John Lewis, you've read the room. Because if we go out with a big extravagant story about giving, people will go, no, this is not where our heads are at. And if we go, so 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 so, the the ambition for for twenty for that year was to read the room and to do something that just 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 felt right for the nation and felt right for us as a business and it was it was together with waitrose um which we'd started off with the edgar spot and we had came up with this give a little love idea and this this whole notion that was sweeping the country from 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 clapping for the nhs and the people noticing their neighbors and people looking out for people and it's just this idea of if you if you give kindness you beget kindness and you spread you spread it, it spreads of all the things to be, I choose a kindness. And if you gave some to me, I think we'd find ourselves here dancing in the street. Everyone we meet would smile a little daydream. It could be amazing, wouldn't it be wonderful? I think it's beautifully crafted, and and and, and the song it was the first time we've actually worked with an artist to write a song. Um, and we 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 worked with um, multiple sort of like the amazing artist called Celeste, who actually was up for an Oscar for 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 her work with um, Chicago Seven. Like she's an amazing, amazing artist, and we sat down and we wrote this this track about about if you give love, you you get love. So that that um, brings up a that brings up a really important point. Speaking of the characteristics of a John Lewis spot, the 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 music, it just elevates the entire story. At what point are you? What time? At what point are you thinking? Beginning to think about music, and at what point do you, are you locked on the music, Richard? <laughs> Very different points depending on the year. So, yeah, so yeah. obviously, Elton, Elton, it was it was there, and it was such a relief to have the track locked. And all we had to all we had to worry about was: do we play it as one track, or do we play his versions throughout his life? So, do we play him singing um, uh, your song now, and then singing your song in the eighties, and singing your song in the seventies, which is obviously all different voice qualities? Um, this year. Uh, I was in the recording studio with the artist um, about 12 hours before the press release. Uh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, from, but from those two extremes, from the very creation of the idea right the way through to play out, it can change. And, and, and it's, it is, music is so subjective. And, and I think we've, we've, 
there's years where I think we got it absolutely spot on. And I think there's tracks that I absolutely love. Less keen on the ads. Don't think the ads are sort of one of the best, but but the tracks there, or, or alternatively, think the track's not right, but I love the story. So Martin, when when you look at when you look at COVID year, you look at the Brexit year, but primarily on probably COVID year, where the the national mood is unpredictable. You guys don't test work. Uh, that is my understanding. So, um, how how do you make the final judgment? And do you feel that you guys have ever gotten it wrong? Yeah, so we don't we don't pre-test work <clears throat> in the sort of traditional sense. So um, we haven't done that since uh, Always a Woman tested badly with Millwood Brown um, and then went on to be a huge success. So we tend to make the decisions ourselves and use our own instinct. Um, and I don't think we've ever got it wildly wrong. I think, um, for example, like uh, Bust of the Boxer, we probably got it right in terms of just just being jo- a bit more joyous and uplifting. Um, we always try to just make sure that we're giving people the feels. So every single year, like we we really obsess over the tiny moments that we think will really get people. So I remember like the year we did um, The Boy and the Piano, I remember just talking to Rick about the different moments in that that we really thought would get people. So there was the moment where he looks back and his mum is there when he's doing the audition. And we just thought that moment when she looks and there's a tear in her eye, like that's going to really get people. And then when when the little boy Elton sees his piano for the first time, yeah. I think I was saying we had an actor in like a, in a, panda suit or something there to just get the make sure the kid's reaction was sort of like so excited about what he was seeing and we just knew that that little face was gonna was gonna hit right because that's really what we're trying to do is is get people to just really feel something um and that's the thing that doesn't change like the tone of it might might flex a little bit but we want people to just really feel the magic of christmas and the magic of giving or receiving an amazing amazingly thoughtful gift I always remember at the end of of um, Boy in the Piano, which is the Elton John spot, when you guys cut to the end where Elton's sitting at the piano and he just plays those last three chords, it's a close-up of his fingers. I, I was thinking, oh my God, that that is so... The imagination, the recognition that that little part could be so f- uh, full of emotion. And it's a simple thing. I mean, is that something that... Uh, Rick is you know in advance you're going to capture you've agreed or do those little moments just sort of happen organically was that particular moment planned he just sits there it, at the it, end it, 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 I, I think we, we we it was it was very clear when we were there and and said the director was work, working with Elson that there was good there was moments where we were all getting the sort of we call them the jingle tingles where we were like, whoa, that's powerful. But I think, I think when it comes to the, the moments like that, um, I have this habit of, of running around the agency telling everybody the idea. And, 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 and you go through it, and, and every time you t- I tell it, I tell it slightly differently. And I see how people react. And if, if, if it's people flat, I'll, I'll try and change it a little bit and, and just, just, just add, add looks and, and pauses and... and so just to, and it's purely a solidifying it in my head of how this story should be told, um, 
And, and these are storyboards, yeah. or you're just describing it, or are you talking about no, the just, film? just telling people that? Like, well, I think we've got it. I think so. Imagine this, and you, and you start telling the story, yeah. And and, and that was very definite with Anthony Mike, the, the creative team, and it was very definite, sort of like. And at the end, you see him punching the first two chords as a little boy, and then you cut to the the older fingers as he just finishes and, 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 and you find yourself going down in tone and, 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 and you realizing, okay, this, this is, this, this could be an emotional moment. And, and so, so yeah, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of, you go into it knowing where you, where we need to hit. And then sometimes you just get things and it's, it's, it, it's magic. What comes with fame is notoriety is uh, popularity is more business as a result of that, et cetera. But the flip side of it is that you guys get criticized, right? Everybody is waiting for the next one to come out. Um, how does that feel, man? Because you guys are, you've become iconic. It's no, it's no longer an ad. It's like, it's like the latest Marvel movie. It's like there, people are openly critical every time. Naysayers just beating the shit out of you guys sometimes. No matter what, how does that feel? How do you handle that? I'm thinking more about popular media, even because you guys are you guys oh, yeah. are written yeah, about yeah. the Daily Mail, which is which is which is just hysterical. But what what that does is it it, it definitely makes my mum and dad know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Before they were just like I was in London being an artist, so it couldn't be further from the truth. But <laughs> but yeah, the, the notoriety is, is brilliant, and, and and when you get in a cab and like they you, they tell you tell you tell them where you're going, it's like oh, is that the advertising agency? And you go, yeah, guys. Oh, what answer do you do? Do you know anything? I know. And 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 you go to John Lewis, and everyone's got an idea for the next John Lewis. Everyone's got an idea for the next track. <laughs> and everyone. And, and I, I was I was at the birth of my, one of my children. I was was, and and something came on in the operating theatre, and I was listening to the music. And my wife turns up, looks up, and she goes, "Not now." And the uh, the anaesthetist was like, well, "What do you mean, not now?" He goes, "Oh, he's, he 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 writes the John Lewis adverts, and he's listening to the music." <laughs> all of a sudden, all these faces came, popped over the screen, and oh, oh I think you should, I, I love the music of John. Lewis. I'm, and I'm a little bit like, "Can you get back to what you're doing, please?" Because, but um, the, the, the fame of the fame of it is, is 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 is. But you do get knocked down. You do get knocked down, and every year you brief teams like. You'll be the best thing in the world for about twenty minutes. Then somebody will come along and go, "Go home, John Lewis. This one beats you." <laughs> yeah, we've become the tallest poppy, and with that comes kind of always comes criticism. Yeah. And we've we've sort of created a rod for our own back because we're not compared against other ads. We're compared against other John Lewis ads. So it's like, oh, it's not as good as Monty. And but I think we'd rather be talked about than not talked about. And the thing that we obsess about more than what maybe the industry says is what the public says. So um the survey that I love to look at each year is the net mums survey. And we we've almost always finished top of the net mums survey of just like what do the public love the most? Um and we you know we are just trying we we are sort of like Harry Potter or Gavin and Stacey, which is a popular sitcom here in the in the UK, where we're we're trying to make something that everyone likes or loves. It's quite easy to make things that a few people love, but it's difficult to make things that everyone loves, and that's that's the challenge each year. And we are genuinely we're more preoccupied with what the public thinks than what maybe the industry thinks. I know that you guys, and I want to kind of sort of dwell on on the relationship you guys have together. Um, you guys are, are known to be close. And I'm just curious, does it work for you guys because you just get along? 
fundamentally like each other and you're both smart or is it or is martin brilliant at what he does because of a certain way that he does it in your mind i think i think um i think a bit of both i think there's a there's a there's there's, there's two there's two there's two ways of coming in as uh, uh, as uh, uh, being a strategist you can be the the cleverest person in the room finding the most obscure facts or you can be the person in the room that 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 understands this, how to simplify, and and kind of give a base, make it make it make it palatable, and make and 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 and, and I think Martin is most definitely the, the the in the simplification camp, and I think that's I think that's a rare talent, and I think um, that's that's most definitely what we're trying with strategy here. I think it's about simplifying business problems down where we can where we can then take them and make and do something interesting with them, and, and but it's also having. A re- one eye on the creative work and one eye on the output. I think that is so very important. That there's so many people out there that just want to get through meetings and look really smart in those meetings right. without without an eye on the output. I think having an eye on the output and also having impeccable creative taste as well. What makes good creative work? And so for for you, Martin, you guys have been working together for. You've been working together at Adam and Eve DDB for seven years, rough coming up in seven years. Uh, had you worked? Be- did you know each other prior to that, or was that the first time you guys worked together? No, first first time we met uh, was a few weeks in after I joined. And so for you, getting your relationship with with Rick and the way you guys connect was it immediate, or did you sort of have to figure out a way to work with with? Uh, with Rick, because a lot of planners struggle with trying to de- determine the best way to work with a creative team or a creative individual. How was it for you guys, from your your point of view? Well, I, I just immediately loved Rick's energy. He's always just like bristling with ideas and stuff. And I just thought, this will be fun if I can just help him. Um, and I'd seen some of the work he'd done, things like Monty the Penguin and Sorry I Spent It Myself just before I joined. And so I, and I've just always wanted to be around the best work. So I just thought this will be fun if we can kind of work together. And I think um, we complement each other well because we sort of are happy to bounce off each other. We don't really care where the idea comes from. We're happy to tell each other that it's a bit shit and forget that. Um, and we just try and have a lot of fun as well along the way. And that that's probably an underrated thing, but we're, we're quite happy to be a bit silly and throw things in the mix. And, and, um, and then I try to just sort of simplify things and ground things and make sure that we're we're doing what we need this to do. And Rick's trying to make sure it stands out and and sort of has impact and and has something original to it. And I think that that sort of shared the, the shared objective is is what stands us in good stead, really. And then I think now we've probably got a shorthand of how we work together, um, which helps. So I kind of know where his head's at. I know how he's feeling. I know what he sort of needs in the process, I think, which I've sort of figured out over the years. It is uh, Richard Brim, Chief Creative Officer, Adam and Eve DDB in London, and Martin Beverly, Chief Strategy Officer uh, in the London office too. Um, it is uh, always a joy to have you guys on. We've um, we've had Martin on with other members of the strategy team and some of the other creative folks on too with different episodes. And it's it's always a pleasure uh, to to um, to talk to you guys. You're uh, you know arguably the most awarded agency in the world, and I think it should be pointed out that you're also the 
the home of Les Bennett. So effectiveness <laughs> is uh, is at the heart of the culture, not just creative. It's creative in the, in, in, in the service of effectiveness. And that's an, an incredible balance to be able to strike. So John Lewis, what a, uh, what a great body of work. Thank you both for being here and for carving out this time. Thanks very much. Thank you, Fergus. And we'll see everybody in the next episode.